This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Coming up next on Plains FM, the Shetland and Orkney Connection, brought to you by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society. Played by Shetland Band Homebrew, signal 8.30pm the last Monday each month for the Shetland and Orkney Connection, produced by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society and broadcast on Plans FM 96.9, either directly in Canterbury or streaming live globally on broadband, or available for three months after the broadcast via podcast on the website www.plansfm.org.nz. Thank you. 
everyone and welcome to the July edition of the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Connection. Well the COVID virus is still keeping us on our toes. It seems to have reared its ugly head in both Orkney and Shetland this month with quite a few new cases. Scotland is now in level zero and with more freedom to travel there is more likelihood of the virus being spread around. It still pays to be careful, wear a mask, wash your hands and keep your distance from other people. Yeah, not too much kissing and hugging. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no parties. <laughs> now a few snippets from the Shetland Times and the Orcadian. You can get both these papers online at a cost of about 120 New Zealand dollars. The first cruise ship, the Island Sky, arrived in Lerwick Harbour on the 19th of this month. This was the first liner since early 2020. It had 66 passengers on board, only half the capacity of the ship. This will be a significant milestone in the road to recovery from COVID. Measures have been put in place to protect everyone involved in the visit. Police are warning that fraudsters are still targeting people in Shetland. They're advising islanders if someone calls them on the phone not to give out credit card information, bank details or give money. If they think they have been scammed, contact their bank immediately. This is good advice for us here in New Zealand because we have scammers as well. Frequently. Yeah. Linga, <laughs> yeah. a small 64-acre uninhabited island in Vala Sound off Walls in Shetland, has been bought by Mr John Scott, a Scottish businessman. It had been on the market in 2014 and 2018 with an asking price of £250,000. Mr Scott said he intends to develop the island to create the crofting land and restore the two existing derelict cottages. The project will use renewable energy and eco-friendly solutions. Planning consent also includes a windmill and solar panels for power, septic tanks and reed beds for sewage and rainwater collection from the cottage and shed roofs. Linga has been uninhabited since 1934. Recently, passengers on the Skerries ferry, Filler, were witness to an impressive performance by a humpback whale. It was seen slapping its tail, and then as the ferry got closer, it reared out of the water, breaching only a short distance in front of the ferry. Seven orca and a few minke whales have also been spotted a few days before. Mm, must have been quite fascinating to watch, mm. yeah. Aren't puffins fascinating birds? Tourists and locals like to go to the cliff tops to watch them and to photograph them. People must be careful around the cliffs for several reasons. Number one, be careful around the cliff tops. You don't want to disturb the birds and you don't want to fall over the edge of the cliff. Number two, either don't bring your dog or always keep it on a lead because your dog can chase sheep over the cliff or your dog might fall over. Number three, don't climb onto the cliff face, as they can be very slippery and you could lose your grip and fall. That's good advice, I would think. You may also see fulmars, shags, guillemots and razorbills. 
Over the last few years, puffin numbers have been dropping. One reason was lack of food. Another that I read recently in the newspaper is that in Iceland, 12,000 puffins are killed each year to make puffin roast. That seems to be an awful lot of roast dinners. Is it a tradition? And what happens to the tradition when the last bird has been killed? Probably a tradition that could be lost, I'd say. (laughs) Goodness. If we want to still have puffins, yes. (laughs) Yes. Plans for a glamping site at Bigton, Shetland, have been given planning permission by council planners. The project will see three glamping pods and a site maintenance building near Rearwick. Each pod will have two bedrooms, a shower room, living area and a kitchenette. Be nice in summer. Yeah, yeah, it might be a bit chilly in winter. <laughs> this month, the true extent of the ongoing stoat problem in Orkney became apparent when a stoat den was found at Hatston near Kirkwall. A dead fowl and over 100 Orkney vole carcasses were found in it. Stoats have a great appetite and need to eat a third of their body weight every day. An eradication program is in progress using traps and dogs, and so far 1,400 stoats have been destroyed. Mm. Yeah, there was a picture in the Orcadian of the den, and it looked absolutely horrible. Mm. All these little voles, you know, they're like yes. big mice, and you know, mm. just, I mean, that, you know, hundreds a lot, and that's just one stoat. It would smell terrible too. <laughs> yeah, I imagine it would, yeah. Highland and Ireland air traffic controllers based at Sumbra are planning a one-day strike on Thursday the 29th of July. This is in response to the proposed centralisation of air traffic control in Inverness. The one-day strike marks an escalation in the industrial action which has been ongoing since the beginning of this year. And they're not very happy yeah, about it. Well, it's a loss of jobs, and they said it's quite highly skilled jobs. You know, lose jobs, it's less money in the community, and that's, that's one of the problems here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After a 55-hour voyage from Bergen, Norway, in a 12-foot boat, an adventurous Alden Nordhus arrived safely in Lerwick. The boat could unofficially be the smallest to have ever made the journey. He was accompanied by Roy Hansen, acting as support vessel in his 10-berth boat Blue Dawn. It was still a rough trip with the winds and the currents. Mr Nordhus wants to give the vessel to someone or some organisation as a thank you to the residents of Lerwick. He is not a stranger to nautical adventures and has had several interesting experiences. In 1996, he and a friend attempted to row from Bergen to Shetland. It was thought they were dead after being missing for five days with no food or water. I can't imagine trying to row across that bit of water. The boat he sailed in looked so tiny because they had a picture of it in the um, Shetland Times. And I certainly would not have tried crossing from Bergen to Lerwick. Mind you, I'm not a boat person. I like to keep my feet on dry land. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, it's okay if it's guaranteed flat and calm. Yeah. (laughs) Well, years ago, I spent a day on my friend's yacht in Geelong Harbour. Uh, We never left the wharf, but I was quite pleased to get off it. (laughs) They asked me if I'd like to stay the night, and I said, no, I'll go and stay with my friends. At least the bed wouldn't move. (laughs) The island of Barray had a fun day on July the 10th and raised an amazing... 5,728 pounds for the Royal National Lifeboat Institution. Because of COVID, they were not sure about holding the event, 
but sticking to the guidelines of wearing masks and keeping activities outside, everything ran smoothly and safely. There was live music with school children and various other bands playing, a food stall sold hot dogs, mince rolls and soup, and teas and home bakes were available from the Sands Hotel. There were two bouncy castles, a bottle stall, tin can throw and guess the number of coins in a bottle for the children. Steve Sankey, councillor for East Mainland, South Ronaldsay and Burray, took his turn in the docks for the wet sponge throw. As usual, the Long Hope lifeboat arrived along with the RNLI mascot, Stormy Stan. A great effort from everyone who donated goods and to all who attended and gave so generously. So we're always amazed at how generous the islanders are when it comes to fundraising for charities. Sandra Munro, a Kirkwall woman, has walked one and a half million steps since January this year and has raised £200 for Stroke Association. Over the past two years, children at the Stennis Primary School have raised money for cancer care specialist charity Macmillan Orkney in memory of their much-loved janitor, Maureen Johnson, who sadly passed away. They raised £377.17 by holding a bring-and-buy sale, as well as having collections at sports days and Christmas service. Trustees of the Orkney Health Endowment Fund were delighted to receive a donation of £1,900 from the Orkney Men's Shed. With lockdown put in pay to normal men's shed activities, members took to walking, and then decided to carry out sponsored walks. Members chose to donate the funds to the local NHS as several members have received excellent care from NHS Orkney. Yeah, the old man's shed is a group of men that gather and they do things. Men's um, stuff in a shed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Men's stuff in a shed, yeah. I think we have it here too, don't we? It's yes, a, we it's do. It's a bit of a global thing. Yeah. yeah, it's been going for quite a while because in Living Orkney, I think it was Living Orkney, or was it the other one? There, was, uh, there used to be an article every... Um, issue about them, yeah, they're, right. what they're up to, yes, so yeah. they do good works, yeah. Yep. This month, human remains have been found in what is believed to be an ancient burial site in South Ronaldsay. The Orcadian understands that the cremated remains were found in the Lyths area of South Ronaldsay, potentially dating back to the late Bronze Age. It is understood that the skeleton was uncovered accidentally in a nearby sand quarry during digging activity. It is the second incidence of human remains being discovered this year. Back in February, a skeleton was uncovered near Scale Farm by a farm worker. The remains were considered very well preserved, so much so that when the archaeologist attended the site, he said it was by far the best he had ever seen throughout his career on dig sites. Congratulations to 15-year-old Thomas Silgener, who recently was awarded his 100-hour Ascent Saltier Award for volunteering. Thomas worked as a volunteer for an hour and a half, two or three times a week, at the Loving Homes Dog Rescue Animal Shelter in Ham. He would take the dogs for walk and groom them and give them some love. Well done, Thomas. Very worthwhile. It is, yeah. Skatster Airport looks set to become the new site for large goods vehicles and motorbike tests, a decision likely to leave the aisles without instructors for the tests. The instructors say they would have a near 90-minute round trip to the new test site from Lerwick, 
and have questioned the logistics of getting trailers, lorries, buses and motorbikes up to Skatster and back for training or tests. Mr Henry, who runs the Shetland Motorbike Training, said the Skatster decision would put him out of business. Can you imagine youngsters having to drive all the way to Skatster, then having to do their test? It's just not going to work. It's a bit of a problem, eh? It is. The Stromness Museum could be set to undergo a transformational redevelopment if planning permission is granted. It is estimated that the project to build new extensions to the rear and seaward facing sides of the museum could cost between one and two million pounds and take three to five years to complete. The museum is one of Scotland's oldest independent museums, dating back to 1837. There's a number of different projects that will enhance what they are already doing in the museum. More space would mean they could display some of the 7,500 items that are currently held in storage. Yes, it does need an upgrade and it needs to be made a lot bigger. I did spend a wee bit of time there when I was there nearly three years ago. Uh, It's very interesting, but it's very small. Mm. And There have been some objections to the new plans for the building. Um, Mm. You know, they don't think it's in keeping and all that, but I hope that it can go ahead in some way anyway that they can make it bigger. Mm, Mm. They can find a compromise because there must be some fascinating things away in storage too. Mm. Seven and a half thousand, that's right. Listening to the Orkney and Shetland Connection on Plains FM with Heather, Jan, and Helen. In 2019, Stephen Jennings wrote a very interesting article about the many ways one might die in Shetland. This is one of the stories. This is the case of the Four Family Trial in 1612, also known as the Garth Murder, brought before the court on the charges of theft, sorcery, fortune-telling, adultery and incest. It's enough, isn't it? Were the Fours family of Big John, son of Little John, and daughters Catherine and Agnes, with Catherine facing the additional charge of the murder of her husband, Murdo Brown. As what was known at the time as Egyptians, the Fours were Romani, today commonly just referred to as travellers, as was the victim and this was the beginning of a crackdown on this particular ethnic group. Among the accusations was they could steal milk from another's cow, tell the fortunes and cast spells. They were also looked upon and judged to be common thieves with loose morals, particularly in the case of Little John. One unusual aspect to the case is that until this point, the travellers were largely allowed to adjudicate and pass judgment within the confines of their own community. As to the charges, Catherine was accused of stabbing her husband with a knife, though it was claimed she was merely defending herself after he had first drawn a sword on her. Though the court heard an argument that she was goaded into it by the rest of the family, she was the only one to face punishment, death by being thrown from a cliff and drowned. And I think that would be not a very pleasant way to die. I would sort of hope you'd be killed on the end of the fall rather than... Mm. Oh, no, I'd rather go right into the sea. And drown? Oh, and no, drown. I'd, ra- I'd oh. rather be... <laughs> but you mightn't. I'd sooner just leave town, actually. <laughs> <laughs> not do any of it. 
<laughs> you have to wonder about those charges, don't you? Don't you? It's kind of like they've just. Well, what up. else? What else can we think up? Well, our gypsies in the gypsies yeah, are wrong. Yeah, yes. um, and I don't think their attitude. You know, you sometimes do still hear an attitude towards travellers, mm. gypsies. Mm. Mm. Those and that was back in sixteen twelve. Yeah, things have changed. Have chucked have over a cliff, anyways. <laughs> Terrible way to go. We have something a little more cheerful. Oh, this, well, I don't know whether it is. That's right. <laughs> but at least it doesn't end badly. <laughs> no. <laughs> this wee story from Unkins was written by Angus Johnson. Hilda Heyman, spy or not? Rumours of spies filled Shetland as World War I took hold. An ordnance survey party were continually reported and the socially well-connected sea angler Edgar Frederick Newton protested about his own treatment. Among it all was a Swedish artist, Hilda Heyman, born in 1872 to a well-off business family in Gothenburg. The Brun Rasmussen auction house describes her work as intimate studies of people absorbed in their own worlds. She spent much of her life outside Sweden, studying in Paris, just before her Shetland visit in 1914. She recounted her experience in Shetland in the Swedish woman's magazine Aydan in April 1915. The Shetland News published a translation by William Ratter on the 3rd of July 1915. She'd made over 50 sketches in the islands. The museum holds a painting by her of Betty Mowat, Shetland's heroine of maritime endurance. War broke out and her friends in Sweden began to worry as communication lagged. They sent a telegram. Send information. It couldn't have helped. A foreign woman was going round the islands making sketches, asking questions even. In Sweden too, where some politicians favoured Germany, Hilda found herself visited daily by the police, although dealings seemed to be cordial. She and the Bobbies always separated as the best of friends. She carried on, although the article says Lerwick formed into two parties, those who thought she was a spy and those who didn't. Yes, it's interesting, the bobbies, because that's what the, um, my aunt always used to call them in, mm. in Orkney, yeah, so, mm. yeah. Finally, the order came to go. The Shetland News said it was made by a high official. A telegram came from no less than Admiral Jellicoe, whether it was Lord Jellicoe or someone operating under his authority isn't clear. It's difficult to believe that the excitable Colonel H.C. Evans, the Shetland military commander, wasn't involved somewhere, although there's no mention of him. So she was sent away, protesting to the consul, abandoning plans for an exhibition and stating that her interests were the sea and the wide plain and the country folk. Was Hilda Heyman a spy? It seems unlikely, more a victim of circumstance and some naivety. She certainly didn't fit with the German regime she encountered later in World War II in Paris. Her paintings were seized in a raid, although she got them back later. She had devoted much of her career to depicting Jewish people in Eastern Europe and Palestine. She died in 1995 and is buried in a Jewish cemetery in Stockholm. The other thing when it's, uh, you know, if you're a bit different, isn't it? Having someone 
send a telegram asking for information. information. <laughs> it's unfortunate, <laughs> yes, wasn't it? Yes, definitely. Well, we will be holding a meeting of the Shetland and Orkney Society from 1pm to 3pm on Sunday the 8th of August at the Chapel Street Centre on the corner of Chapel Street and Harewood Road in Christchurch. We will be having a lunch of soup and buns. Members will be talking about their connections to the islands and why they joined the group. If you live in Christchurch or nearby, why don't you come and join us? We would love to see you and hear your story. We have quite a few books that you can look at and borrow. Remember the meeting, 1 to 3pm on the 8th of August at the Chapel Street Centre. Yes, our outro music is a track from the Shoremere Fiddlers, which is a young group of fiddlers in, from Orkney. Well, once again, we have come to the end of our programme. Those of you in Auckland and Chetland, look after yourselves and keep safe. I know many of you have been vaccinated. I am booked to get my first jab on the 18th of August. They have been a bit slow here, although sports people don't seem to have had any trouble getting theirs. That's my little gripe. Jan and Helen, have you had your jabs yet? No, not yet. No, and I'm well down the list, so... <laughs> yeah, well, I'm Being not... younger than us. Slightly. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could be it, Jan, yes. It's us oldies are getting first thing. Yeah. OK, well, cheerio for now. Bye for now. See you next time.